At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Are you looking to sell or buy your home or looking for an investment property? Look no further. BlackWealthRenaissance.com offers a free realtor directory with realtors located across the country to help you meet your goals. Just go to BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. That's BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing black wealth and sharing helpful tools and resources that we believe will be useful for attaining and maintaining generational wealth. I am your host, David Bellard. All right, all right. Welcome to episode eight of the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast. Uh, so, hey, thank you everybody for the continued support. Uh, the growth has been great. We've been much better than we expected. We're yeah. glad we can put this message out there and it's something that people enjoy and want to continue to come back and listen to. So y'all, please, please, please help us out. Y'all go out, y'all rate the podcast, review the podcast. Um, if you do review the podcast, we have a special promotion. We're gonna get everybody who reviews the podcast to take a screenshot of it and DM it to us. And we'll send you a special coupon for uh, a discount on some of the merch, man. We just, y'all help us out here shit. Share the message, get a little discount on the merch, rock the Black Wolf Renaissance gear. Make sure you check out the website. Yeah, Black And leave us comments, anything y'all want us to talk about, uh, any topics that y'all want to see covered, you know. You can reach us at Black Wolf Renaissance on Instagram and BWR underscore movement on Twitter. So without further ado, we're going to get into the episode. Uh, uh, this episode, called episode seven. Episode eight. Episode eight. <laughs> uh, kind of playing off something that we had, had going on. Uh, it was talking about if you're scared to take a chance, how we going to get rich. It was a J. Cole lyric. And it's just, we kind of wanted to talk about that because in the week we all like thought about our own entrepreneurial journeys and like our ways that we got here and we are all just byproducts of failure. Like, 
our failures is they are exactly how we ended up at the point we are today with Black Boy Furniture Songs. Whenever we got to talking about it and thinking about it. So I wanted to talk on that today. Yeah. I know uh, me, Jared, and Kelly were roommates in college and we, we had a couple of schemes that we worked out together. And Jalen like did the word schemes. <laughs> <laughs> we're always trying to make some money. We were scheming, man. Yeah, scheming hard. <laughs> I know I was scheming too. I ain't going Over here, coming up with a master plan. It's crazy because, like, all the elements and stuff. That, that's why, like, when it comes to failure, it's always really important that you go out and you try stuff. Like, you, there's no need in not trying stuff that you interested in. Because if you don't try it, then all you're left with is regret. And like just to kind of give the followers a little bit more context to what we were talking about. When I was in college, I attempted to do an influencer page. Uh, that didn't work out very well. Uh, we tried to do a blog, <laughs> a rap blog. Uh, rap blog. Hey, my rap blog was fire. I set, I set it up, but it was just entirely too much work. It was entirely too much work to do it every week, plus going to school. To keep it updated, I was trying to keep up with current events and trying to keep it updated at the same time, man. It's a lot of work. We tried drop shipping on multiple occasions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we thought drop shipping was gonna get was gonna be the lick, man. I thought we was gonna get to the bag. Hey, well, <laughs> my my little women's clothing did pretty well, man. Hey, I made us a sale. Once a- <laughs> dropshipping was a whole different thing though because it was like and people for those who don't understand what dropshipping is it's just selling a product without having it physically there so basically you order it online from a manufacturer overseas and you ship it to the person that orders it <clears throat> and you, what your whole point is to try to get it cheap um, so you can get a nice profit margin but it just didn't feel right because you don't have the products on you you're kind of selling products that you don't have Something interesting. Yeah. Well, see, we didn't do drop shipping, but we, we sold shirts. Uh, uh, I know for myself personally, I had done some pork steak sandwiches one night outside of a party. I sold some stuff, bro. Uh, what else I did in college? I did a lot of stuff to try to make way. I was uh, hitting people's windows. I tended this one girl window. <laughs> I'm going to try to start doing that. But it's just any and everything. If I could put my hands on a job, make a dollar, I was, I was hustling. Right. Yeah. We also, I, I wish we had known about as far as drop shipping. Um, for anybody who is still interested in it, or any listeners that are interested in it, um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, a nappy boy Chris Johnson. Uh, you may have seen some of his tweets, but his courses, I actually, I bought one. They're really good. Uh, he teaches people how to do white label dropshipping, which is completely different. It's basically creating a brand but having an a, a offshore manufacturer. And so uh, and you're creating a brand, putting a completely different name to it and everything. So that's a, but that that's further in depth as well. But it's, it's somewhat better in my opinion than dropshipping because you actually do have the inventory on hand and you can kind of do a lot better uh, quality control. And like with the dropshipping thing, it's one of those things that was profitable. So we, uh, it was one of those crazies at the time. You know, everybody was like, you on YouTube, the drop shipping ads kept popping up. So we kept, we just tried it out. And 
the, the reason I'm bringing that up is to kind of say that that fear, that that lack of fear of trying it out and like making that investment in ourselves left us with some skills and some knowledge. Right. Like we learned things in the process of doing stuff like dropshipping, like working, how to work a, a printful shop maybe, or like how Alibaba is structured and kind of how to set your price points. Just, just general like things that we probably wouldn't have known about the business that we would we would not have tried it. There's that imperfect action right there. Yeah, that's all that that's, is. That, that's all that is. It's, sometimes it's good to fail your way forward. Everything don't have to be a plan that you just written out. Like it's good to write out a plan, but sometimes imperfect action along with the plan, like you don't have to I like how you always say that that analysis paralysis. Yeah, man. You study all the time. You just read and read and read, but you're not getting anything done. You don't have no type of experience behind it. You can read a million books, but until you go do it, you don't know how to do it. Right. I think a lot of that, yeah, like you said, it's just scared to fail. You're just scared to do something wrong. And some people feel may feel embarrassed whenever you start a business and it doesn't work out. And there's no need for that. You. Just learn from your mistakes. It's one of those things that you just, I'd rather fail at a thousand things to get to one thing, you know, because those thousand things that I failed at helped me learn to get that one thing that, that made me great. Yeah, and that, that's really the way it goes, bro. Like, you, you have to fail yourself forward in a lot of cases, especially whenever you don't want to go out and get yourself a mentor or something like that, because that, that's the biggest way to probably avoid having to fail your way forward. But I still think it's a it's a great method to learn because everything I've ever done, I learned by messing up. Like you mess up and I think people scared to mess up because like how Kelly has said, that perception, like that perception of not doing well as a business. But whenever you mess up, it's really just that lesson. Like it's that lesson that you learn that okay, well I did it this time and it didn't work. But that that loss is not going to be greater than your entire, the entire work that you're doing in the grand scheme of things. Like when you take about, think about us, we're young guys. So as young guys doing work and things like that, we we can we can afford to mess up more. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like you can mess up when you're young, and it doesn't have the consequences a lot of people would think it has and that probably is like one of the things that limit people into trying to get into stuff and being scared to fail that I like I think people need to get over and get away get away from like that fear of failure yeah I'd, I'd even go as far as to add to like as long it's all about the mindset that you're going into the project or into the honestly into the failure with like not saying that you're going to want to fail or you're going to think that you're going to fail from when you start but it's like if you go through something you fail and you realize that you failed but you reflect on it and you figure out what you did wrong you can grow a lot more from that failure you can realize like like for the example that we said earlier like with drop shipping we by all accounts we spent money that we didn't make back <laughs> by our own accounts and by our own reflection, we don't feel like we feel because of the fact, well, we learned how to how to work Facebook ads. We learned how influ influencer pages work. 
we learned a lot of different things, price points. We learned a lot of stuff that although we didn't make the initial money and initial capital back, we learned enough to where it was okay and we, we felt more confident going into more business ventures later. And I, I think it definitely helped us in the long run with Black Wealth Renaissance. We understood yes. what we needed to target, how we needed to do it, and how we needed to act <laughs> on it. It was already, because we've already had that practice in that set up from before in, the, in that failure and the drop shifting. I completely agree. Definitely can't be afraid to fall, though. Like, just being able to fall and get back up, that's whenever you find out what you made of and stuff, too. Like, Persevere. Yeah, you got to be able to persevere and be able to fall, get back up, fall, get back up. It's just like riding a bike. Sometimes you might fall 10 times. But once you learn how to ride that bike, man, you just, it's one of the greatest feelings. Then you never forget how to do it. That's why a lot of people say a person, a millionaire who earned his money can go broke and make a million dollars again because they have those skills. They know the process. They can do it again. It's not because, oh, they got access to this much money or whatever. No, they got the skills. They learned how to do it. They learned how to make money work for them. It all goes back to that stuff we always talk about, like money being a game. Right. And like, whenever you take it, whenever you, you do things and you invest in yourself, you, you're investing in learning the game of money. That's kind of the way, the way we, the, it worked out with us in our journey. Like we started learning the game of money in these online arenas. And I think that gave us a better advantage moving forward. So. It kind of go always back to don't be scared to invest in yourself because that's what this really is. Anytime you're doing a business and things may not work out the way you want to, it's really instead of looking at it like a failure, you look at it as an investment in yourself. And try to, in my opinion, I, I like to throw, you know, I like the analogies. Try to have that, uh, that fearlessness of like a child, you know, think about like a little baby when it's learning how to walk. If that baby failed the first time and remembered that fear and never wanted to try again because it hurt, then a lot of us wouldn't be walking. Try to have that fearlessness where it's like, okay, yeah, I failed, but I'm gonna keep getting up. I'm gonna keep on trying. You know, I'm gonna keep getting going at it, you know? Yeah. I do want to pose a question. So do, so do y'all think it's better for someone to sit back on the sidelines, observe somebody, and, and then try to go into it? Or is it just better to just go head in first? I personally think you, you should you should preserve at least a little bit, you know, not so much as to where you get that analysis paralysis, but I think observation is a great way for you to figure out how to differentiate your business and to figure out like maybe what you like and don't like. You know, if you figure out that, okay, well this person, you know, they, they sell t-shirts, but this is the angle that they're taking with it, but I kind of would like to do it this way. Then that's how you differentiate. So it's like you learn that from other people's mistakes. So I say watch a little bit, but don't get analysis paralysis. Because yeah. to kind of piggyback off what Jared's talking about, like, we real big on not reinventing the wheel. Like that, that's one of the biggest things. So like when it comes to, to like studying before you go into something, you don't have to study as extensively as some people get into it. Some people will spend six to seven months studying on something and never actually do anything. And just by doing it, you're gonna learn that much more. Yeah. While that person that was spending the same six, seven months, not really, I'm not gonna say they wasn't studying, but they were putting that action with the studying. They 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 are further than that person that didn't even take the first step yet. 
Definitely. Applied knowledge is power, man. Applied knowledge. Like, now, a lot of people like to say that knowledge is power. I feel like it's misquoted very often. Applied knowledge is power. You can know a million things, but if you don't use that knowledge to your advantage, what, what purpose does it really serve? Nada. <laughs> and what would y'all say would be the best place to learn, like, like about the different ventures and different avenues? You already know what we gonna tell you to do. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube, University, and Professor Google. Yeah, my best friends. Just and and I think that's one thing why a lot of people who like I, I know I talk about Nipsey a lot, but like Nipsey and a lot of other entrepreneurs talk about the online arenas so much. You know, I think online allows you to have the chance to fail and then not be that, that big of a deal. So like a lot of these online places, think about everything we just said that we try drop shipping online. We try, you know, influence pages online. All of that stuff was free. We may have failed, but we learned. So it was like take those take those routes that are free and that are online to be the great equalizer to learn. Do you have bad credit and minimum capital and want to get started in real estate? Hi, we're, we're the, the mobile, mobile home, home and lead investors. investors. Our e-course solves all of those problems by giving you all the strategies and secrets to become a successful mobile home investor. Tune in at www.mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com. I think we've, we've, we've kind of discussed our failures. I think we should talk about the ventures that we did go into, that we did kind of get our feet wet in, and we actually did do some sex in. Yeah, we had some success in. Okay, yeah, that makes, yeah that's true. Okay. So, <laughs> whenever we go, we went into a couple of these industries, uh, like the first influencer page, I said it was a failure, but it honestly wasn't a failure. It was really the, the best lesson I could have got for BWR because it kind of helped me understand how social media works. Yeah. Like, um, I was able to get maybe something close to a thousand followers. It was a football page. I was just doing it in the summer for fun. Uh, I was able to get like close to a thousand followers. And people were, were engaging with the post. I'd have like at least three or four people who were regularly engaged with the post. Like a couple of people would repost my material that I was creating. That's one of the big things that I really learned more than anything was kind of like content creation. And that, that really kind of prepared me better for BWR. Like just seeing something that you can make that people will respond to positively. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, uh, I used to do YouTube too. Um, I want to get back into YouTube. I would do like cooking uh, tutorials. Only did a few episodes, but I did uh, again like 100 subscribers. Uh, got like 1.5k views on one of my channel, on one of my videos and stuff. But like, it was pretty good. So I learned that I didn't realize that that was preparing me for this too. And uh, I wouldn't say it was a failure. I really just stopped because I had got music and stuff. But I might pick up on it again one day. But it was a lesson. It wasn't a. It wasn't a failure. It was a lesson. Always. I think one thing to throw in there too that uh, kind of piggybacking off what both of y'all have said, a different subject we were talking about. Uh, I think that speaks volume speaks volumes to the uh, the ability to work together because all of us are talking about these different ventures that we tried to do alone and it was overwhelming but now we're trying to do black or we're doing black wealth renaissance all together and it's a lot more successful so sometimes you know that's another lesson too that we had to learn from it sometimes you have to work together with people and sometimes that'll make it work 
Definitely. And, and picking back off of that is, you know, one of our biggest successes in college was the whole parking thing. We did all that together. Me, Jerry, and David. We made a lot of money off of that Mississippi State versus Louisiana Tech game. Between yeah. parking and we were selling plates. That was a true scheme right there. Like we we cooked that one up the day before. We found out some vital information. And that that's another thing kind of to talk about with the fear thing. You can't be scared of an opportunity whenever you can really see it in front of you. Yes. Like that's what that was. All we saw was the opportunity. So Ruston is not a big town at all. All the hotels in the town are booked for the Mississippi State and all the game is sold out. None of the games ever sell out. Our house is maybe less than a mile from the stadium. We sell parking in our yard. We sell parking in the neighbor's yard. And then we sell plates in, in a jack LV. Wait, no, you gotta tell them, you gotta tell them as far as like how we ended up getting the neighbor's yard as well. Cause I think that's a that's a, yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> Okay, so with the neighbor's yard, initially we tried to design <laughs> We tried to be like, hey, we'll give you, what was it, like $75 to use your yard? Yeah, something like that. Upfront costs, and that's it. Yeah, like, yeah, they were like, oh no, all them cars y'all got in y'all yard? I want a, a per car rate. So we agreed, we got to negotiate with them to $5 a car, and then we just picked the price up. We were charging people, so they covered that. So we still made our money. Ended up being like 500 bucks off of parking people in our yard and selling food, like plates. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> and that's just one of those things you just got to take action. When you hear about some information that's vital, that, that you think that you could also honestly uh, take advantage of, man, just do it. Jump on it. Or, I mean, you got, if, you, if, you, if you seem that you think that you're going to fail, you know, just go full speed at it and try to learn a lesson from it. And we're not saying like go broke over it either. Like mm-hmm. if you see some an opportunity and, and it's a it's a potential investment, but you know you don't have a whole lot of money because I, I know that's I'm already preemptively thinking about some of the arguments that people might have. If you don't have a whole lot of money, who says you have to invest a, everything you have into it? Just try a little bit. If you try a little bit and you see something coming, it may come back and pay you tenfold. You know. All goes back to that theme. If you're scared to take that chance, how? Like, how you gonna how you gonna see a difference if you're scared to take that chance? Because, like we mentioned on the last episode, it's not investing if there's no risk involved. Right. You gotta be willing to take a risk. That's why it's called a risk. Sometimes the bigger the risk, the bigger reward. But to be able to take that that risk. You, you gotta be educated too, because the more education, the more knowledge you got, you know how to combat that risk. You know how to better set yourself up. So sometimes the risks are higher, but if you know about the market, or if you know about this, or, or if you know what's going on, the risk doesn't seem that big anymore. The numbers might seem big, but the risk don't seem that big because you know what's going on. You have the knowledge. You have the ability to analyze and say, okay, I see what's going on. Now, let's see how I can make it work for me. Definitely. I, I that's huge because, like, I, I think Jerry remembers back when I we was uh, going back to kind of, like, with the dropshipping, when I was doing this stuff online with Google, 
And then I was in I was in my room for probably about a week, week and a half, just taking notes. I was studying. I was in there studying. But after that week and a half, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I mean, let me at least try it. And I actually did sell something, but I just didn't have the money to pay for it. So I was like, oh, man, I, I got to get out of this. <laughs> hey, but you learned a lot, did you not? No, I did learn a whole lot. I learned a lot on how eBay works and how Amazon does their advertising. It's, it's a lot of good information. And another, uh, where I actually learned all this stuff was it through YouTube, but it was actually through Udemy. They don't sponsor us, but they're also another app that you can use. You can learn a lot of uh, good tools and a lot of services that you can make to for your business or become even a business through there. Just please, please, please wait till they put them courses on sale. Because <laughs> they are expensive yeah. otherwise, sometimes. Yeah, some <laughs> are quite expensive. Just just look for the ones on sale. And you know, there's also another app a uh, guy was telling me about. Their classes aren't as expensive. It's called Masterclass. I'm not sure exactly the, the array of classes they offer, but the example he had gave me was uh, they had a class by Timbler to teach you how to make beats for like $150. That's cool. And like an a e-course by Timbler teach you how to make beats. And Timbler will teach you from beginning to end the process of making a beat. That's lit. And also like another way to mitigate like the risk. I mean, even though, like I said, you want to go into something and try to like, if you do fail, it, you know, you're going to take a lesson from it. But another way to mitigate risk is to go into something that you already know. Like we already, when we were talking about selling plates, other than parking, like parking was completely new to us, but we just knew we didn't want to block anybody. We already had sold plates before. We had barbecued at our house before. Everybody is an expert in something. I learned that at a, a Derek Grace event. I like his, I follow his stuff too. And he even said that he was like, everybody, even, uh, and, and I don't, not, not looking down on this profession, my grandma was one, but even a janitor is an expert in cleaning. You see what I'm saying? Like everybody has expertise in something. So if you are already taking a venture that's something related to an expertise that you have, whether through work or whether through side hustles or any uh, hobbies, whatever, that can help you mitigate the risk to where you already kind of know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I think a huge thing is to find, you, everybody normally has something they're interested in or a hobby that they're already doing. Learn how to make your hobby a business. Turn your hobby into a business. That's going to be the easiest way for you to get more into depth in it and have fun doing it. Not only making your hobby profitable, but learning, again, I'm, I'm big on differentiation, learning how to do something different. Like I was doing photography for a little while and I still pull with my camera, but I wasn't, I, by far, I wasn't the very best photographer in Rustin, but I understood that the chick that was making invitations wasn't taking pictures and she was making everybody's invitations. So I asked her, hey, would you be willing to make the invitations for me if I take the pictures? I'm a chief photographer. You can just about still charge full price. I got a lot of people coming to me purely because my bundle deal was a tad bit cheaper than other people's. You know, so you have to learn how to compete and figure out how to make your hobby profitable and at the same time figure out what can you bring new to the market. We're going to switch up gears and we're going to talk about what's on our timeline. Um, some man, I, I seen some crazy stuff on my timeline. Did y'all see that whole uh, Jay-Z thing? Like, once he did that freestyle, how everybody kind of went left, like, because of him using, basically because of him using the word gentrified. What you mean they went left? I, I thought, like, some people wasn't, like, supportive of it. 
Uh, so uh, a lot of the people on my timeline were very upset. Like they were saying he didn't, you know, understand the dynamics of like trying to build his way up and redlining and a bunch of different things, which he mentioned redlining in the freestyle. But um, just, I, I don't know. A lot of people on my timeline were pretty mad. Dang. Well, like the people on my timeline, I saw like a few people they were like explaining like the word gentrification and like how you can use it to your advantage and stuff. That's what I was saying. But uh, I didn't really see too much back backlash. That's crazy. But I haven't really been on. Why have we saw like two completely different sides? Yeah. That's it's social media, bro. Yeah. Polarizing topics. Like certain people just gonna feel a way about certain things. Uh, oh, I'm the question, kind of like uh, Kelly asked earlier, like, what? How do y'all feel about gentrification? What do y'all feel like it is? I think we more, I think we need more black ownership in uh, in, in the cities. Um, I think if you had more black ownership and more people owning their houses instead of renting, I think it would it would eliminate some of it. Um, and, and I think we need to also educate more on gentrification because some people do know about or at least don't know about it and they do own their house but they get an offer from the city that's double the price you know it's enticing to sell i think you should own your hood to say that's your hood that's all i can't call it your hood if you don't own nothing now so i feel like you should take your hood buy your block make it beautiful make it Yours and take care of it. Like, and make it affordable. Real. Yeah. Because it, I think that's one of the big things that get miscommunicated with gentrification a lot of the time. And it's all go back to what Kelly mentioned. Like the root of the problem is that it's not enough black ownership. So they the problem with gentrification is they come in, they fix up the community, the rates go higher, the rents go higher, people yeah. can't afford to stay there. Well, if you own, you're benefited. Now your home just gained equity. And if black people own and their intention was to house other black people who are like in their way of the way the incomes and everything working like the income wages have been stagnant but rent prices have kept going up as long as we charge affordable rates we can offer good quality housing to people in our communities yeah so like we gotta dispel this myth that gentrification is a bad thing because i feel like that's where a lot of the people on your timeline were coming from they were like uh, gentrified just means you can kick all the poor people out. Yeah. Another thing I would say too, I would say prepare yourself. If you do see people starting to move in your hood, if if you're a store owner in the hood or whatever, like update your store. Make it welcoming to like everybody. Like not welcoming to everybody, but like update your store to where if you got if you don't have a card reader, go go out and get a card reader. Like make it to where you can make money off of the wave that's gonna hit your hood. Especially with these opportunity zones. Do not be sleep on those. A yeah. lot of the hoods are in opportunity zones, so when we talk about gentrification, we're gonna see a lot of improvement in a lot of communities. It's coming. So I promise you, like how Jalen mentioned, find ways to step above so you can capitalize off. It. Don't just get washed out. Yeah, or like if you if you got a hood like if you got a hood uh place where you're selling food and stuff, make sure you might want to be able to have your little delivery system like we was talking last week. Like, just find ways to win again because it's coming. And as far as opportunity zones, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out 
Charm City Charm City buyers have explained a lot of that and they talk about it all the time. So definitely look into them and their explaining of that. And also another thing as far as, uh, I, I, and I agree with what y'all were saying, kind of piggybacking off that as far as the gentrification talk, I think a lot of that comes from people making assumptions that things are automatically gonna be negative. So it's like, because you're a homeowner, nobody's forcing you to raise the rent. You know, nobody's forcing you to kick the, the poor people out. So it's like, if you become the owner and you build up the neighborhood, you can still charge affordable prices. Nobody determines what you have to charge. So that I think that's one bad assumption that a lot of people have. And I agree with you, uh, bro, man. Like a lot of people just, they didn't go further than the word gentrification. They didn't think about the other implications that could be helped by black ownership. And like one good example of that, if, if you even don't believe us, is Mark Whitten. And uh, he he's on YouTube. I watched his Breakfast Club interview and several other different interviews. And he talks about like, he comes in, he buys houses in the hood, completely renovates them really nice, makes them section eight affordable housing. And then turns around and sometimes he doesn't even bother the tenants to try to, you know, track them down behind rent because he knows that he knows they're struggling. So it's like when you are the owner, you have the ability to do things like that. And I think that's part of why we're preaching, you know, ownership so much in the community, because it's like you can help your community more by owning the community than you can by complaining to the people who own the community. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like the way you said that. Bars. Uh, <laughs> I do want to discuss, uh, I was on my timeline. Uh, the NFL draft was recently, and I do want to shout out Nicole Lynn. She just became the first black woman to represent a top three pick in the NFL draft as an agent. Shout out to Nicole. And also hey. shout out to Rashawn Gary, uh, a draft pick from Michigan. I don't remember. I think he went to the Packers. But um, shout out to him. He he owns his own agency. So he just started his own agency. He just got drafted in the first round. So shout out to him, too. That's lit. Man, with his own agency. I love it. The ownership and blessings and success for that man. For uh, real. So, like, what's on my timeline? Uh, I kind of want to just pivot it back. Kind of something that we posted. Uh, it just kind of keep people updated with something. Uh, Social Security and Medicare. Two programs that we are paying into right now aren't going to be here by... Well, Social Security, they're saying, is going to be gone by... 2035, Medicare by 2026. Uh, with that being said, always y'all stay on game. That's the type of stuff that we always talk about with this long-term mentality. We really need you to pay attention to stuff like that. These are programs that are funding the healthcare for just about yeah. all of our grandparents, uh, the elderly. You got the baby boomers getting older now and these programs going out multiple streams of income is becoming more necessary than ever. That's seven years from now, if you really think about it. And we're taking about, we're, we're still paying into this. Like, this, we're paying into this seven years from now. It's not going to be here. And what are we going to do from there? You got to get your own retirement. Guys, plan for your own retirement. Very much so. Because it's like our, our retirement, and I think that's another big thing that, like, people end up getting into like conflict about I've seen that argument on timeline before. It's like your retirement is technically your responsibility. So when, you know, social security and the rest of these programs end up, hopefully not, but you know, if they go under, we will have to, you know, you still have to, if you want to retire, you have to figure that out for yourself. 
you can't depend on the government to have to do it for you. All right, y'all. That wraps up episode eight of the podcast. Thank y'all for rocking with us. Y'all be sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Rate, review. We out, y'all. Peace. Check out the merch. BlackWealthRenaissance.com Black Wealth Renaissance signing out. Hey, everyone. It's DJ Candy Rain here from the Carefree Black Girl Podcast. If you're a fan of music, entertainment, and black women, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the Carefree Black Girl Podcast, a show that covers all things carefree, black, and girl. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.